0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Well, yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota.
1: Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and we are here for Episode 10 of Makers of Minnesota. It's hard to believe we're at Episode 10. We've been having such a good time talking with the entrepreneurs and the innovators in our fine state of Minnesota. If you have been listening to the podcast and you've enjoyed them, please give us a rating. That helps other people find out about these podcasts. You can find them on uh, Podcast One. You can rate us there. You can also rate us on iTunes. And uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Makers of Minnesota, where we're highlighting other makers, as well as Twitter, Makers of MN, and we have a Facebook page as well. So if you have any suggestions for stories you'd like to hear, or let's say you have a friend that invented something cool that you want me to know about You can let us know the information there, and we will uh, look those people up. So for Episode 10, I am excited to introduce you to Chad Gillard. He is the co-founder of Midwest Pantry. Hi, Chad. Hey. Uh, You can find him at MidwestPantry.com. His uh, cohort is Zoe Glass. She's the president. He reminded me when we were starting that it is a woman-owned company, which is very cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, we're very progressive. Yes,
1: you are. <laughs> you are progressive. And what I I've always wanted to spend time with you because you're very entrepreneurial. Let's just start there. Um, I think I first heard about you when you started a business with a girlfriend of mine and yeah. Elsie's. Some Abelskiver. people say Skiver. some people say Abelskir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, Lisa's going to come after Yeah, <laughs> Lisa's got
1: some fancy Danish way of saying it. But tell me about how you, was that your first company that you started? It,
0: it was like our first official company where we had actually like had to get a license and like yep. registered with the Secretary of State. But um, I like to tell the story. It actually started at the Irish Fair and... Uh, you know, I was running a, I was just volunteering. I had just moved to the Twin Cities and uh, heard about the Irish Fair. I went down, and volunteered, and we ran a, I ran a, like a music stage. Okay. For, forever. And, but you couldn't get coffee. There was really no, I had just moved back from Ireland. There was no Irish food. And the next year I was talking to some friends and they're like, you should just do it. So my family and I just started a food booth at the Irish Fair, new, Really nothing about the food industry okay. or how to do this. But what we did had, you sell? We sold baked potatoes. We Yum. sold, right? It's, it's like the world's most perfect food. Right? And can you imagine an Irish fair without a no, baked potato, right? I can't. It defies logic. But um and then we sold coffee, tea, because it's an Irish fair, you need sure. tea, and then scones. So that's what we started with. We nearly like got wiped out the first year, but Kieran Foliard, like Bailed us out and like bought, because we bought 80 cases of potatoes, way more product. We thought about one in every 10 person was going to buy a potato. Okay. (laughs) You know, way (laughs) overestimated. And so he, they bought our leftover product and let us at least break even so that we could come back the next year. But- we learned really quickly. That's
1: really interesting.
0: Yeah. And then we were there for 10 years. It was just my, my folks and I and my sister and my aunt and uncle. And it was a total blast for us. And we just learned a ton of stuff. But Did you out have the same that, product every year? We grew every year. So we ended up, I ended up... Selling the name of the booth because it was just us, so we sold the name of the booth to an Irish pub what out was the in booth? Golden Valley. What was it called? We were started with the Prady bunch. Okay. So Prady is Irish for potato, so we thought that was cool, and we ended up selling it to Oh, I'm forgetting Kipps Pub. Okay. Out, and so they didn't have a presence uh, at the Irish Fair, and. Had a, so I'm like, oh, we can cover our costs by actually selling the name on the booth. Benefits them, it benefits us. I love these win win situations, right? Sure. So the other cool thing is that we brought in some of their menu items. Um, and so we just continued to just grow and we actually had one of the larger menus, uh, at the Irish Fair. But what was cool about that was that because we were starting to prove that model that, yeah, people really do want Irish food. The Irish Fair Board decided to just really be kind of like we're just only gonna have Irish food. So right. that's when more of the pubs started coming in. So it was really cool and we felt, you know, it was it was great. Yeah. It was cool. And so out of that we were doing sweet corn and that my mom started a sweet corn booth, so she was or a business. So out of that first business spun up my mom's business where she was going around to different festivals and, and fairs selling sweet corn. And so she was kind of on a circuit. Yep. And, you know, we're all basically carnies. We just love yeah. <laughs> to be out and dealing with public, feeding people. is awesome. awesome. Um, and so when I met Lisa and their Danish family and learned about these abelskiver, right, uh, I'm like, we need to test this out. So we actually brought the Appleskeever out With and sold it alongside of my mom's corn.
1: Okay. And explain what it is for people that aren't Danish and don't know. We (laughs) just call them baseball pancakes, but. (laughs) Right.
0: Um, so they are a Danish pastry. They're perfectly round when they're made properly. So, um, mine are perfect. Lisa's are another story we'll talk about. (laughs) That's another podcast. (laughs) Um, but so they're filled with, you can fill them with things. Traditionally, it's apple. Um, uh, but when we were down, we we got ended up getting into the Mill City.
1: Yeah, you guys grew market. really fast, so you yeah, have this baseball awesome. pancake. You can fill in with sweeter, savory, yeah. And it's a cumbersome process because you need a special pan. Yeah,
0: so yeah, it's like a, a iron, a, you know, a cast iron, uh, kind of like a half of a s- sphere. Yep. And so you put the batter in, and and you. You kind of got to give it some tender, loving care. You're turning it
1: with a knitting needle. With a or knitting a knitting needle.
0: That's, you got a good memory.
1: <laughs> I make these, actually. Oh, you do? We make them for Christmas Eve every year. Oh, awesome.
0: Year. Yeah. They're super fun. Yeah. Like our my kids dated, were raised. So. Oh, there you go. S E N.
1: Yeah. Just like, got okay. It. We're going yeah. to have a We only have them once a year, but we all have pans.
0: Right. Well, it's a big deal, especially, which I my family's Irish. So we did not have this. So it was new to me. And I was just fascinated by it. And so it was really cool when we were out at Mill City or other. So festivals. how did you get
1: into Mill City right away? Because hey, that's a it hard. Was,
0: it was totally luck, right? Um, they were having a Scandinavian Bread Day. Okay. Which how you know super specific. <laughs> and so they called us and um, wanted us to come do a demo, like a thirty minute demo. Okay. And we and apparently we on a, like some other. Woman wanted to go do it and called an hour after us. So how weird? Yeah. So we got the spot and they were super pumped. We were super pumped, and it was supposed to be thirty minutes, and we were there two hours just demoing, just and- demoing. People just kept coming, and we just kept making. And of course, I can't shut up, and like just kept talking to people. And basically, you know, the the mill city, I think, was. Uh, it was only a year. Yeah, old. I think at that time, or maybe it was the second year, and they're like, "You just need to come back." And like they made it, there was a spot for us, and we were right next to, uh, Cafe Palmyra, the coffee guy, and it was it was awesome.
1: Love at first spite. So (laughs) you're out there. We are. Um, everybody was loving the Abel Skiver. Yeah. One of the things that I learned from my friend Lisa is. How challenging it is just to run a farmers market booth because oh at this gosh, point you so have another work. job, right? Yeah,
0: we all had jobs and kids. I had my wife and I had a baby like the same year we were setting up at the farmers market. So, oh my gosh! So it's so much work, and these guys work. These guys, I mean, they are they are out there. And, so,
1: what time would you come out there? And
0: well, for us, we live in town, yep. obviously. So we we. Could roll out of bed at six, but some of these farmers who are up picking the their produce fresh for that day and are driving in from out of town. I mean, they can be up at four in the morning.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: And and it depends on the market too. It's different. So Mill City, you're you're you have an established spot, but some of the other markets, like I think Saint Paul, I don't know if they still run that way, but. You got to show up and be, because it's a first come, first serve. First come, first serve. serve, right. Like a true, you know, that's like the quintessential farmers market style. Um, and, you know, when the stalls are gone, they're gone. So yep. the the, the early bird definitely gets the worm in that case.
1: So you're making these, able Skewer, and at the same time, are you still at Irish Fair?
0: Yeah, we did the Irish Fair for a couple, three more years after that. Um, really until we realized that. If we really wanted to make on Elsie's goal, we had to graduate from the farmers market to be to get into stores and yep. go more that wholesale route. So the trick with that is, is it's obviously less margin, but you're not investing all that time. So it's more becomes more of a volume game.
1: And what was interesting about your product, I thought, was. People, it really sold itself, but you had to do the demo. Like yeah. You had to watch someone make them. You had to watch yep. them turn them and make these perfectly beautiful balls. <laughs> right. Um, so you decide, hey, we're working so hard at these farmer's markets. I know at this point your friend Lisa, she worked for me during yeah. the week. So, yeah. I mean, she never really had a day off except one day a week, and That's it was true. challenging.
0: And then we did a lot of the preparation and things, like making up our – we had – so we packaged up the mix. We use really good, like organic Minnesota grown flour from up in Freeport. Yep. And so we would mix all this stuff up at night and package it. And then to get the batter made and all that. That was all on top of you know, we'd work all day making preparations, social media, doing all that.
1: Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Really it becomes a lot. It was never ending task list. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesta
1: here. Check out my brand new podcast, Two Week Notice, where we discuss the process of quitting your job and living a more fulfilling life. I want you living the dream. Find Two Week Notice on my website, jaredsebesta.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. So you, I I mean, I, did you make money?
0: We did make money. Um, You know, we were splitting it several ways with the partnership, but it also split up the work. But um, so are we the, talking
1: like a couple thousand dollars or a couple hundred dollars by the time it was all said and done? Oh,
0: like on a on a good weekend, we'd we'd take a, home a few hundred dollars. Okay, um, so it was a hobby, yeah, like a hobby, like a lifestyle business, I yep. would say. Um, and but we were really carving out the market, right? Because, like you said, people who aren't Danish uh, don't often know what they are. So that was really the challenge, right, is if you saw it, it was super cool and fun and it was intriguing. It's a, you know, I always called it the show because we have three, four different pans set up in like a glass. uh, Partition. Yeah, yeah, so the people could come up and watch them being made. And it was super fun, you know, and it was super cool because. Uh, if people grew up with them and see, they hadn't ever seen them made outside of their kitchen and uh, and right. often not at Christmas time. Yep. So for us, we were pulling in different you know things from the market, like we'd pull in the buffalo sausage from the buffalo guy and chocolate from the chocolate people and and um, just really trying to vary it up, which was which really it kind of developed this cult following of people who wanted to. See what the new flavor was that week, or you know, and then up against, we always had to have apple for the diehards who are like, only apple, yeah, (laughs) you know, so it was just fun that way. And that's actually where I met my business partner Zoe, okay. Because so you're
1: making these apple skewers, you're going out on the weekends, you're working your job, you've got a small kid, yeah, do you remember? I mean. Obviously, oh, was so obviously it was fun, but I was just going to say, were you exhausted?
0: I oh, was so exhausted. I had a new job, too, that I was trying to learn. <laughs> wow. Um, But, yeah, it was, I was exhausted. And, but it was, you know, like, it's always fun to be around people who are starting businesses. Yeah. Because they're so excited, like, they can't sleep at night, they're up, Um Writing stuff, ideas down and they yep. can't sleep because, you know, your mind's going a million miles an hour. That's so.
1: exactly why I wanted to do this podcast, because yeah, there's something about people like you and maybe people like me. I don't know if I fully fall into the camp of entrepreneur. I kind of got dragged into it and then made it something <laughs> good. But there is like that just kind of drive in your head. And yeah. there's always the ideas and You know, there's a million good ideas, right? Right. But you're trying to figure out, do I want to do this? What's going to make money? Do I have a passion for it? So how did you go from, so now you're working in these farmer's markets to what is your now business of Midwest Pantry? Yeah. Because that's, I think, what's so unique is what you did.
0: Uh, Well, I don't know if it's stupidity or stubbornness or what (laughs) it is, but there's something there. Um, But yeah, so... What we were finding is that because this Ablescu product was so demonstrative, you had to be out showing it to people, and as as long as you were, it was selling great. But we were, we got, you know, we had product, the pans we had made in a, we had the the pans cast here, in Minneapolis. Yeah, you guys founded
1: a pan. Yeah,
0: it was that was a whole a super cool process in and of itself. But we were we had them in stores in thirty different states, couldn't possibly. Out demonstrating, across you know that far. So it was really like, what are we going to do with this? And so we felt we really had to for this was going to be successful. Really had to own our local market, Mm -hmm. um, and found a lot of challenges for a small artisanal business at that time. And and although farmers markets were really at that because this is eight eight years ago, ten years ago. So the market really was like, people came to farmer's markets and they got local, but we weren't seeing at that time local in stores as much.
1: Yeah. and, and At least
0: not in like, you know, like Cub and it just wasn't, it wasn't quite there It wasn't there mainstream. Yet. It wasn't mainstream. That's a good word.
1: And I, people, you know, you can have the best product in the world, but to go and knock on Joe Grocer's door, you know, and hey, well, can I have some shelf space?
0: Well, I mean, in... It doesn't make sense for the grocer. Like, it's not that they wouldn't like it. It's just that they have a process and they have a million things they're doing to run their business. And they too. can't just keep
1: the back door open with every mom and pop exactly. that comes through.
0: Can you so even so that's when like, you know, Lori at Golden Fig, she was doing great things in Saint Paul with local food. Um, and Yin opened her store in Minneapolis, Local Delish. So yep. that's actually she was the first store to pick our Apple SKU product up, right? And we even were watching her and, and how she was doing it and dedicated to local. Same with Lori, dedicated to local and the amount of work that they put in to Source. just order. Yeah. And find new product. And they were and they're both really good at it. Um, but it was hard, right? And then um not only that, but like you got people coming from like for us even we didn't know the wholesale business. There's a whole vernacular. There's all these. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what that process was. So they were educating us on how to bridge that gap.
1: Who, like, there are a handful of people. You mentioned and you mentioned Lori. Yeah. I also think the Kowalski family has done a lot to educate and help. Oh, local. yeah. Because it's not only just, hey, I have this great product, it's packaging
0: so many things.
1: Yeah, it's how uh how often you're going to replenish, uh shelf stability, marketing. I mean, yeah. there's just a million things that go into it.
0: Yep. So many things and I think the market really has um there's been an ecosystem of support that has kind of blossomed mm-hmm. around this uh this cuz it's so good, right? These people who are making these products are super passionate. The products are super great. There's realities of business, though, too, on both sides, and it's been really cool to see how that's really developed over time, even with the Department of Ag, who is all about, you know, supporting local. They went, at that time, they thought a small Minnesota business was, their definition was Angie's Kettlecorn, right. who was, at that, you know, she was just on Martha Stewart, and she was yeah. blowing up quickly to be the number one kettlecorn in the country, and, um, they didn't realize yet because, well, compared to, you know Land of Lakes and, yep. some of these guys, that is a small food business.
1: And that was the local and that like, was local Land and, of Lakes at the time. Oh was, yeah. that was local.
0: and and it is all local. Yes, it's just that the needs are very different because of the different types of businesses, right? So,, um, you know, to their credit, I, you know, the Department of Ag and others, like you mentioned, the Kowalskis. Yeah. They've really, they've really worked to figure out and, and evolved what they're doing to really embrace, uh, embrace what these, uh, small food companies are doing. And, and really has, it's been, you know, it's so exciting to see now where, uh, you know, like the Department of Ag now is really, Helping with defray the cost of doing demos in stores because they know what a boon that is to getting product into stores. Mm-hmm. So you need a lot of support there. So they're so offering that.
1: Is it pertains to you see this movement. Mm-hmm. You see there's a need to help people get their products into stores and yeah. figure out how to work through this machine. Yeah. So... You're sitting down and you're like, I'm gonna now start another business called Midwest Pantry.
0: Yeah, it was well, let's be real. I mean, we had just been at the farmers market. Zoe and Amy are like, We need to go have a beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we did. We were sitting outside and um just you know, you've been working all morning and just that tired yet excited, you know, like head the buzz. space. Sure. It is, it's a total buzz. Um and we're like, this is it's just hard and you know if we work together because what was happening is I was selling Zoe's jam serving them with my apple skew. So you ordered some apple skew, you got some of Zoe's jam with it. Okay. Uh which is Lucille's Kitchen Garden, right? And I was always trying to pair because I'm like I this is great for me. It's so simple. I I don't have to I can source this ingredient at the market. I was seeing benefit in it. What I wasn't realizing why Zoe wasn't charging me, and finally she kind of had to slap me upside the head, and she's like, "Chad, I'm not. You're never paying for this because whatever you're serving on your abelskew, I'm selling out of." And so there was really like they would people would come try it, and then they would go over and buy Zoe. Out. Okay. So there was this really cool thing that was had this dynamic where you're working together. It was super beneficial for the consumer. they love the idea that the market people are working together and there was and it truly was that the mark like there was so much community and the strong community feel mm-hmm. between those vendors at Mill City it was awesome. Um, but and the, and the bottom line and the business was also being affected. And as soon as we like piece that together we're like okay, so we're doing things together. That we couldn't do on our own, and so what if we just continue to do this, bring more people in? It actually defrays the cost further. So that's when we started um, sharing booth space and organizing more our our community of vendors, which at that time was only at Mill City, uh, uh, to do like the food and wine show and some trade shows yep. in Chicago, and uh, we became a dropship site for speedy delivery. Because it defrayed all of our costs and it allowed us to do things that we couldn't afford on our own. Or we'd be able to afford them faster in our so, development of our company.
1: So is Midwest Pantry a co-op of sorts?
0: Well, I don't know that I call it a co op. I mean, it certainly is a member driven organization. You know, it starts
1: how much does it cost?
0: So right now for an individual, like it's sixty five bucks a year. You join um, you get access to all of our meetups, which we have one tonight. Yeah, actually, um, and then uh, and then you get discounted rates on our events. So we in November Small Business Saturday we'll have the shop small holiday market. We have
1: and is that for consumers to go? Yeah,
0: everyone, all of your listeners should come. It's uh, a
1: public holiday market. It's Saturday, November twenty sixth. Yep,
0: the so Saturday after Thanksgiving, so it's Small Business Saturday, and it's. Such a cool kickoff to the holiday shopping season, and it's just a great way to get a ton of local products and just really knock off your shopping list uh, uh, for the holidays. So really fun, cool, unique gifts.
1: And then you have um, uh, showcases for the trade.
0: Exactly. So this is where um, there's this is where people coming out of the farmers markets like us, there's so much to learn, right? But it's what is cool is that we set up this trade show. We call it the Local Food and Gift Trade Show. And we're bringing buyers in from across the region. Um, you know, like you are saying, Kowalski's mm-hmm. and some of the local distributors, market distributing and others, like are coming out now to really find um, where these local products what the hottest things are i think at our march show this year we had six or seven new products launch and and it's it was so cool to see the buzz around these new entrepreneurs who are testing out new products and and really getting a jump start on all of those things that you need to learn to get into the into the market what we started we started cuz there were so many questions to learn or Questions to answer before yep. getting started. We put a whole education series together to help people answer questions and really get them prepared for this is how, you know, these are the questions that buyers are going to ask. Because it's a totally different thing that if you or I just walk up to someone at a farmer's market. Sure, It's a different, they're interested in different things. You actually have to teach the buyer how to sell your product because that's actually what they're doing. Right. You know, Um, so it's a different skill set and even down. So it's from setting your wholesale price, which is a, you know, there's an equation and all these things to make sure you're building in all the right margin and, and making sure you're leaving room for a distributor should you grow to the point where you need one. But also, um, uh, you know, even from that basic pricing stuff to how do you set up a trade show booth?
1: It's shocking kind of how many people don't know how to do that, though. Well, in March, most people don't.
0: (laughs) They you don't. I mean, you just don't come out of the womb knowing this stuff. And, you know, people figure it out. It's not like it's rocket science. Sure. But you're
1: just you're shortening the learning curve.
0: Exactly. So that's our whole point. Right. Is let's help everyone grow faster and stronger, help them grow stronger, faster and get more healthier local companies uh, in this ecosystem
1: you have things like training uh, or seminars on social media yep. on work-life balance yeah what do you think of all the seminars that you do for these product producers yeah. that are Minnesota makers of Minnesota right yes, and they're they are. trying to get their products to market which what do you think is the most valued resource you provide
0: oh that's a good one honestly honestly I do think it's the fact that can be done like we're living examples of yeah it. like the hope right I mean if we if we were event people <laughs> like event if we were an event company it, we would have made different decisions and probably have grown the company much faster and sold it yeah <laughs> probably by now but we're not we're food producers so what we've been very focused on making sure we're bringing return and value at every step of the way because we are the people that we're helping.
1: Do you still produce food yourself?
0: I um, I don't. I'm pretty much out of the kitchen mm-hmm. now, and I do the marketing and uh, you know, all the schmoozing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because you guys have meetups and
0: yeah, we constantly are having having things and you know, getting to know. Just so we we pivoted this year and our what we realized after looking at other ecosystems and food systems around the country is that. Minnesota really is positioned well. Uh, we have a we have a heritage of of food production. We have the growers here. We have amazing chefs. Mm-hmm. We have the highest per capita number of co ops. We have a super educated consumer base mm-hmm. that craves and demands local products. We have locally owned uh, grocery stores with you know really sophisticated consumers as well and. These are all things that are unique to Minnesota. Plus, we have a Department of Ag, which is super supportive. We have AURI, which is a uh, they're funded by the legislature, and their whole goal, the whole reason they exist, is to help get Minnesota grown products or uh, like grains and things like that, things that are grown here, into the market. So it's a fantastic resource for new. I d- new companies, new recipes, new products of all kinds including food.
1: What does AURI stand for?
0: Uh Agricultural Utilization Research Institute. One of those super
1: user-friendly names. Super- yeah, but it's so <laughs> awesome.
0: These people are fantastic and they're amazing resource with uh the amount that they accomplish with a very efficient staff sure. is just astounding. And so as we took a look at this whole, what we call the ecosystem of support around our food creator community, we, you know, we feel we're, we're trying to really help formalize that with the intent of making Minnesota the number one place to start and run a food business. Um, there's really, we have it, all the support here, we have all the ingredients here, all this knowledge here, and we like to help each other. It's part—it's in our nature, Right. And um we're seeing in other parts of the country where people are moving their companies to uh, you know, like organic companies have been moving to Boulder because they can get investment there. Right. They can get support from the community. Well, we have all that here as well. And as we continue to see um investors surge in the health in healthcare yep. and healthcare and and retail and tech. These people are going to want to diversify their investments, and why not in food? Uh, there's more and more. It's really exciting the amount of visibility our our local food community is is creating uh, in in keeping some of those investment dollars in. In our state.
1: So it sounds like Midwest Pantry is still working for the little guy, if you wanna call it that, the producer. Yeah. But that you're also getting more involved in the global global state of Minnesota, politics, Absolutely. the lobbying, the <laughs> um not being a lobbyist per se, but right. that that all of these local communities, all these local products, all of this localness can translate into big money in our state.
0: It really does. I mean, think about If you think so, what the other piece that is so cool, just kind of building on what you're saying and the impact it has on our state, is these businesses, especially food businesses, tend to be started more by women Mm -hmm. and even minorities, like a higher percentage of minorities start food businesses. So, if we can help these types of businesses Mm -hmm. scale smarter and healthier and faster, the impact that that has on our community and society is great because these are the types of businesses that are high, they're called high frequency spenders. So, um, you know, a, a single mom, let's say, starts a food business. Any profit she makes is going right back into her family and her community and right. creating stability around her, which, you know, the, and these small companies too, they create a ton of jobs. Yeah. They, you, you're a small business owner, you know, I, yeah, you've seen this movie. So, um, you know, like our company, um, we, it's part time right now, but it doesn't take very long. One order out of, out of a, you know, a Lund's and Byerly's order that can that can create a, a part time job for somebody. Yeah. You know, and
1: it has like I. So
0: across the board, we have people all the time asking for more and more help, whether it's in the kitchen or or doing demos, or, you know... So let's talk about
1: that. As you grow, and you're helping these food manufacturers grow their artisanal products, Yeah. what we're hearing on the restaurant side and just in the service industry in general is there's so much of a crunch on employment, Mm. trying to find qualified workers. Is that an area of growth, perhaps, for Midwest Pantry, trying to help people be more attractive to employees? And.
0: Well, yeah, I think... Oops. So I think... What I think is interesting is we're the approach that we're taking with this is the one that's always worked for us. So it's not like we're going to go out and hire, like as I'm going to speak for Lucille's sure. Kitchen Garden, right? We're not going to go out and hire a person to do all our demos, but that's a big risk. But what if we pulled together three, four companies uh, who could then keep that person actually Employed, yeah, and a, would know the products more way. intimately. Exactly. And... So then, it's worth all of us spending our time to train that one person, and and it gives them a living wage, which keeps them interested. So it's it becomes a cycle.
1: Yeah. So what's unique about all this is, so you still have your day job. I do, and I can see that this could grow.
0: Yeah, let's could, hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, it can grow, uh, quickly. If it starts to reach some of these other pockets of spending and reaching the level of getting political notice, let's just say. Yeah, absolutely. Would you then do it full time? I mean, you're a computer. Are you a computer developer?
0: Well, I work for Go-Kart Labs, so it's a digital innovation lab. So so you're an
1: innovator anyway. uh,
0: Yeah, right. Well, that is how I explain it, right? So it's. The my crossover is startups. I absolutely yeah. love startup companies. So Midwest Pantry, I'm working with food companies that are starting yep. up, and in my day job, I'm dealing with digital companies that are standing up. Uh, so it's super fun. Um, I don't. I don't know. I think where we're at right now is we'll. You know, the goal is to get um, to get Zoe. More focused on Midwest Pantry. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of development uh, this year uh, through tremendous support from this ecosystem that we've created mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that. And then if it keeps growing, I'm I yeah I keep all the options open. Yeah, I mean who knows? I'm I'm doing things that I love in both places, so it's really not work to me.
1: And do you want, who do you want to join Midwest Pantry? Like who listening to this, if they know someone like, oh, my grandma makes salsa or Jenny makes donuts.
0: Right. So the coolest thing that, that about Midwest Pantry that I love about our members is we have people that are coming with an idea. Uh, From people who are coming with idea to people who have been in the food industry for 30 years and are absolute experts. And we put them together and they're sharing their ideas and their knowledge. And, you know, we, there's this woman, um, she's Jazzy Foods. She, Mm -hmm. we met her at a event earlier in the year and she's like, where have you guys been? I just got my, my product into Kowalski's and I could have used your help, Yeah, you know? And I'm like, I'm sorry we didn't meet earlier, but look how awesome you are that you figured this out on your own. And how much easier now it's going to be now that you found your people. Yeah. So it's really people that are starting, have an idea that just want to be around other people who are jazzed about being entrepreneurs and know the food industry to people who are growing their companies, um, you know, from either they're at the farmer's market and want to take that jump into wholesale. What's
1: been like one of your biggest success stories, do you think?
0: Oh, so my, I don't have you heard of Terroir chocolate? Have you had their chocolate? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I love T E
1: R R O I R. They have it at Certix. I know that. Yes, I'm sure yes, they have other places they too. They
0: do. They're blowing up around the Twin Cities and I know in greater Minnesota as well. But we I love telling their story. Because first of all, they're just an awesome couple. <laughs> they live in Fergus Falls. Uh uh, Zoe was passing through and just happened to connect with them. So okay. they stopped and had a slice of pizza in Fergus a couple of years ago. Uh, what we didn't know at the time is that they had been working with the Department of Ag to get some uh, capital loans to mm-hmm. get their equipment going because making chocolate, they do a bean to bar. Mm-hmm. So that's an expensive process. But they're really astute and did all their research. And the Department of Ag helped them get this equipment that they needed. They actually went through AURI to develop some really unique processes to to make the chocolate. And then they came to us, and they were in like twenty stores. Um, so they had they had they knew what was going on. They'd been doing this for a while. They were serious entrepreneurs, um, and they ended up doing our trade show um, last fall i believe um and and then now so they started with 20 stores now a year later they're in 75 stores throughout the region and projecting to be in 100 and 150 or something wow
1: that's a lot of growth
0: Fast. a ton of growth they just won this two or three amazing awards for the from the international chocolate festival mm-hmm. so like the You know, it's just things are really starting to pick up for them, and I couldn't be happier about it because they just and they'll they come from Fergus to come to our they they'll I'll probably see them tonight honestly. They're super involved. They're super happy to share their and they're so humble, right? Yeah, Um, just true Minnesotans and nice people. Yeah, and so you love to see success like that, and it's hard earned. But they also are turning around to help the next person uh, in any way that they can. So,
1: that is a good story.
0: It's a great story. I love those guys.
1: So we've been speaking with Chad Gillard. It is Midwest Pantry. You can shop their holiday market, which is open to consumers. It'll be November 26th. It's going to be at the St. Anthony Community Center. It's Saturday for Small Business Saturday, which really seems to be picking up steam, doesn't it, in the yeah, last five years?
0: It's been cool. There's been a lot of other... Um, Markets that have popped up around yeah, because there's just so much demand for it. And they're all doing great. Yeah, they're all doing great, which is super cool.
1: Um, If you are interested in Midwest Pantry or curious about learning more about it, we'll have information on our website at our Facebook page that you can reach out to them. Or you can send us a tweet and we can get you hooked up with Chad. Chad, it's really fun to talk with you and see this this evolution because it's hard to believe it's been eight years that you've been working on this.
0: It is hard to believe. It is. Time time flies when you're having fun. It really does. And do
1: you like, okay, so I know as you're sitting there that there's other ideas floating around in your head. Are you (laughs) trying to squash those down so that you can stay focused?
0: I'm definitely working on focusing. Okay. I'm trying to be very essential about how I approach things. And purposeful. Things. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I think some of that comes with age and just time of being an entrepreneur that my husband used to say, um, we could do that, but do we want to do that or can we make money doing that? Right. And that's not always the same thing.
0: Yeah, because honestly, I've learned the hard way. Thing: If you're working on the wrong thing, it's time away from working on the right thing. Yeah, so and I've, that
1: is experience.
0: Yeah, right. So I really try to focus on what is most impactful and the right things I should be working on. How
1: do you know what those right things are?
0: Um, Well, I go with my gut, honestly. Like, it sounds a little trite, but I, it's really true. I've learned not to – I have a good sense, uh, and I learned to trust that.
1: So trusting your instincts, trusting that's a really important thing to learn. Yeah. It took yeah. me, gosh, I still don't even know that I do that as well as I could. All
0: the people, you kind of gets beat out of you, right?
1: Yeah. and you're like, well, why do you think that? And...
0: Right. And it's just the more, the longer, the more I've worked, the more people I've worked with and seen more, you know, businesses, it's, you are, you know, those God-given instincts are there for a reason. And yeah. Really, it's it doesn't, it rarely behooves you to 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 betray those
1: um, what's uh ask you one more question. Oh, yeah. What's the biggest mistake you think you ever made?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um, Zoe and I always joke that we try to make a hundred dollar mistakes, not thousand dollar mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> right. So, but it's true. Cause you really like, you're gonna make mistakes. Like it's just part of the process, yep. but you have to learn and try not to make them again. And if you're, if you're thinking about it, you try to minimize them. Um, when we first started our trade show, we started out with um, what we thought would be a great model, business model, because what we were trying to do is, so we, we charged just a very low rate to get in yep. to cover off on um, just the cost of putting it together. Yep. And then what we were doing is charging a percentage of sales so that... The only way that Midwest Pantry would make money was if buyers came and bought from the producers. Right. Uh, because then that meant the producers were getting orders and selling, and that meant we did a good job. And to me, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. But it was it was an idea ahead of its time because people didn't really know how to value that. Yeah. So they, they it actually devalued what we were doing. And- People were leery of us because they're like, well, what are you guys up to?
1: And what percentage? Yeah. People don't like percents. No. They like flat fees. They like simplicity. Because you can,
0: it's like I can base when I go shopping for clothes, which I never do. But but if I look at like, I basically can tell you if I like the jeans that I'm looking at by how much they cost. Right. (laughs) Like for that price, I do like them (laughs) or not. Yeah. Like it's just. People can make that exchange, right? So we had to simplify that and and um it was you know, it was a mistake. But do you
1: do all the accounting for your company? Oh,
0: that is a mistake for me. <laughs> I should have gone into accounting. You really do need a good accountant. Um I'm hoff I'm awful at it. I love talking to people and I love the marketing and I love all that. I loathe doing the accounting and stuff. So um Yeah, Amy's done all of our accounting. so
1: And it's good to, I think, the lesson there is kind of to know what you're good at. And Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a lot of times I think entrepreneurs and small business people, they just trip over nickels, you know, trying to like not spend money. But sometimes spending money frees you up to do something else that is what you're really
0: good at. Exactly. If you're working on the wrong thing, it's just time away from doing the stuff you should be doing. Yeah. And there's a cost to that. And a lot of times when you're starting up, you don't know those things, and so you have to be everything, and you chase all these opportunities, and you do have to be everything to everyone. But there, that has an expiration date. Yeah,
1: and there's a wisdom
0: that comes with. Yeah, because all of a sudden you're not, you're not willing to be hauling your product in and out of a rented kitchen because it's five dollars an hour. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there comes a point where it's just so much volume that it's not, it's not worth that. Yeah. So that's All right. cool.
1: Well, good advice. Thank you for being here today, Chad. I really yeah. appreciate it. Episode ten. Woo
0: Yeah, this is cool. Thank um, you so much.
1: That's we if again, if you're looking for how to get a hold of Midwest Pantry, you can find us on our social media assets and we appreciate you being here.
0: Thank you for having me. It's awesome.